Hello, everyone, and welcome to another exciting edition of the Great American Senior Show. I'm your gray-haired host, Sam Yates, and it seems that everywhere I turn, I see Sheriff Wayne Ivey. Uh, Whether it's in the newspaper, uh, whether it's on some of the television ads, he is a man that is out there and in front of a lot of people. And that's good for our seniors because that means that he's making an impact on their lives. And I'm going to touch on another little area because he's also touching the lives of our school children. So, Sheriff Ivey. Welcome back to the program. Man, thanks, Sam. It's always great to be with you, and I appreciate what you do to help keep our, our seniors safe and, and uh, to partner with our agency, man. We're blessed to have you. We're loving every minute of it. And by the way, the tropics are heating up a little bit, ladies and gentlemen. So if uh, we have a hurricane or a tropical storm event, make sure that you check out our information that Sheriff Ivy has been so gracious to pass on about how we, all of us, can stay safe here in Brevard County. And, and you can share that information with anyone in the entire state because there's a lot of good information, but specific to Brevard County. But today, for our grandparents and their children and grandchildren, uh, I want to touch on school resource officers. Sure. I know that school is back in session, and uh, we have a lot of communities where uh, teachers are being armed and other communities where there are expert protections that are going into place. What's happening in Brevard County? So we just uh, we just did something, um, and, and as much as far as I can tell, we're the first in the country to do it. And uh, you know, same as we look at what's unfolded over the past um, uh, X number of years, at uh, how schools, our school campuses, have become target of mass um, uh, killers and shooters. Um, we we needed to do something that uh, really sends a message that this is not an easy target. Um, you know, we tell our citizens, um, make your homes hard target, make yourself a hard target so that burglars don't break in and you don't get robbed in the parking lot. Well, the same holds true of our schools. And so the, the, the way to create a hard target is to create layer after layer of, of protection. And Sun Tzu says in The Art of War, every battle's won or lost before it's ever fought. So to me, the way to win the battle before we ever have to fight it is to, A, try and avoid having to fight it. B, be well-prepared, well-trained, and well-equipped in the event you do have to fight it. And so we, we you know, uh, some years ago, um, even before Parkland, we had started fortifying our school campuses, uh, putting up fences, putting up security mechanisms, putting up technology-driven things such as cameras and and uh, mutual link that helps connect all the agencies that might be responding to that. So all of, all of those things go hand in hand. And again, uh, I call it our bulletproof vest. Um, if you know anything about a bulletproof vest, it's not just one layer of material. It's layer after layer of material that when woven together is so strong, it stops the penetration of a bullet or an edged weapon. So same thing goes for schools. One layer is not going to do it. Two layers is not going to do it. We have to have multiple well-defined layers and so the this latest layer that we've put on and is uh something very unique it's uh different from throughout nobody from what i can tell has done it anywhere in the country but we actually um have changed our school resource deputies uniform to a more tactical uniform that includes all their resources right up on a load-bearing vest and one of those resources is a Keltech subcompact 2000 rifle um, that is affixed right to the front of our, our vest. It folds, if, you, if you've ever seen a, a, a subcompact, Keltec subcompact, it folds in half. Um, and when you unfold it, it's a rifle um, that uh, accepts the magazine for our guns. 
and our Walthers, and it gives our team the ability to immediately address the threat of a long gun. Most of these shooters are coming on campus with long guns, whether they're ARs or whatever. Historically, what we'd had to do, Sam, is we'd had to run to our car to have equal firing power, equal firing opportunity. We'd had to run to our car, get our AR, run back into campus, relocate the shooter, and address the threat. Today, we, we don't have to do that. Um, once we transition to this new uniform in the next few weeks, uh, we won't have to do that. What we'll have to do is um, uh, hope we never get that um, uh, on our campus. The other part of this, and it, again, it goes in line with Sun Tzu, is we win the battle by saying we're well prepared. We win the battle by sending a message that you bring that crap up in here, we're going to kill you. You're not coming in our schools killing our kids and killing our teachers. We're not going to have it. And uh, it's been just overwhelmingly well received by um, our community. Um, other law enforcement agencies around the country are now looking at the the apparatus and looking at how we're doing it. And, you know, our hope is that it uh, keeps any incident from ever happening. But if an incident does, that we're ready to respond. And there's a big difference between react and respond. Absolutely. And I preach that everywhere I go uh, as far as being prepared. So I hope that uh, law enforcement agencies here throughout the state of Florida, as well as around the country, pay attention to that. And, and for those who might be considering being a bad person, you don't know what bad is until you yeah. see what that weapon can do. It is a deterrent. Yeah, it, it really is. And our team's going to be very well trained with it. You know, as I said, we're transitioning to it right now. Um, like anything else in the country, uh, we had some problems getting the equipment in, not the guns, because Caltech's right here in our own community. Uh, and they, they stand ready to serve us and, and other agencies. But some of the other stuff that we needed um, from the vest to the apparatus and everything else. But we'll, we'll be up and running. And again, I, I pray every night that we never have an incident like that. But we're, we're going to be ready. Um, and I believe that school resource deputies and officers, and I say that because minor deputies, police departments are officers, but I believe that those men and women are some of the most courageous women in this job. And what they do each and every day, not just to protect a child from an active shooter, but what they do each and every day to get to these kids before they get to us is second to none. It's probably without question. If you had to, if you had to pull out and say, what is the most important component of law enforcement today? I think it would be school resource deputies. Now, I'm, gl I'm glad you positioned it that way because some people think of school resource deputies, officers, personnel as not prepared just totally the opposite they are most prepared and it takes a special person to be that officer it does but you know some of that is our fault and when i say our fault i don't mean the brevard county sheriff's office i mean the profession um some of that is our fault because we didn't put emphasis on those that were coming into that job for the longest time it was it was people that just wanted to go to that so they you know weren't responding to calls or they had a monday through friday assignment we, we shifted gears. Um, uh, after Parkland, we started um, uh, putting more emphasis on the qualifications of that, uh, actual physical tryouts uh, for it, um, and even, even promotion uh, to go do it, some money in their pocket for, for taking on this challenge and this, this thing. But, you know, their, their role is a very small part, now certainly a vital part, but a very small part of their role is to keep an active shooter off the campus. Um, the rest of their role is, uh, you know, making, building relationships and friendships with these children and, and, and partnerships with our teachers and our parents. And 
I, I learned a, a real strong lesson um, a few years ago. We we lost a, a great friend of mine. Um, it's funny how our story um, intertwines. Uh, he actually ran against me the very first time for sheriff, um, and he uh, I was blessed to win, um, and also blessed that he chose to stay with our agency, and we became the best of friends. Um, uh, unfortunately, uh, we lost him a few years ago to cancer, and uh, it crushed me. But um, I learned something. Um, his name was Adrian Moss Beasley, and Adrian Moss Beasley was almost seven foot tall, played football for WVU, um, was a mountain of a man with the largest heart that you've ever seen, uh, kind, gentle soul, guy that you would love to go through the door with, um, uh, but a guy you'd hate to see coming after you through the door, but also a guy that would give you the shirt off his back, just that kind of person. Well, when he passed, I put up on our Facebook page um, and, and shared with our community that we had lost him to a courageous battle with cancer. And in his time, he had been a court security officer. He had been a port um, deputy, a regular road deputy, um, and he had also served as a school resource deputy. There were over a 1,000 comments, Sam, and the overwhelming majority of them were not, he helped me get on a cruise ship or he helped me find the courtroom. The overwhelming majority of those comments were, he sat at my table and had lunch with me when nobody else would. He took my daughter to the father-daughter dance after her father was killed in a car car wreck. He brought peace to the school. It was thousands of comments from students, former students, teachers, and parents. And it showed me the true, true value of a school resource deputy on a campus. And uh, I put great emphasis on it. I believe that um, what we saw in Uvalde was disappointing to say the least. It was disgusting to say reality. but. I, I am convinced and I hold dear to my heart that if we ever, God forbid, had a similar situation, our team would be rushing through that door to save those lives. And I know they would because it starts at the top. It's uh, to uh, paraphrase Sun Tzu, treat your team as if they were your sons and they will follow you and you will be the leader and they will be the leaders in response to that. So uh, I, I know that because I can see it in you and I know that from other people in the department I know. But that transitions us very easily into a recent uh, appearance that you made at the Atlantis uh, school and uh, you were there and Judy oh, yeah. we could hear in the background yeah, snoring, snoring from yeah. uh, time to time yeah. uh, you and Judy were there and you were talking to the students about bullying tell yeah. us what uh, happened so you know one of the things that we've started doing um, and we, we actually started it pre-covid um, is a little program we we call um, milk and donuts with the sheriff and a lot of people accuse me of creating that program so I could have donuts. Um, <laughs> Sam, I'm not a dummy. You know, I mean, I, I know how to I know how to make this work. And so, uh, uh, I love donuts. By the way, we call them power rings. Uh, it's more nutritious. But um, uh, we we did that before COVID. And then COVID, like everything else, really really impacted us. And so we're getting back in the swing of it. And while this wasn't milk and donuts, this was an opportunity for me to go in and talk with these uh, these students and uh, their teachers and. Um, we, we talk about bullying and, and the, you know, it's an anti-bullying message, but here's, here's where it goes further. Um, the talk about bullying is probably about a 10 minute talk because these kids have heard from others. Don't bully. They've heard from educational materials. Don't bully. They've heard from their parents. Don't bully. Um, I, I seize the opportunity to talk to them briefly about it, but I also seize the opportunity to let them know what we do. 
And so once we do that little little um, talk, they get to ask me any question they want about my life, about my family, about my dog, about my job, anything. And uh, it's fascinating, the questions they ask. Um, and, you know, if we go back in time 15, 20 years ago and we did the same program, um, the kids would be asking, have you ever been shot? They would be asking, um, you know, have you been stabbed? Have you shot anybody? Those would be the questions 15, 20 years ago. What do you think is the most common question I get when we go into these schools from these elementary school students? What do you think it is? Am I safe? Uh, so, well, not, not, no, that's not it. Because I think the teachers create an environment of, of safety. Our school resource deputies do that as well. The number one question, and it almost never fails, is why do I have two phones? They look at my gun belt and they see that I have two phones. Excellent question. And and the the reason I think that is is because it tells us what our children are focused on today. Technology, phones, that's where their messaging, a lot of it comes from. And of course I tell them one's for work and one's for my wife and, and my political stuff. And then I always ask them um, if both of them ring at the same time, which one do I answer? And it's amazing how smart these kids are because they always say the one your wife's calling on. So, you know, these, these are smart kids. These, uh, this, this is our future. Is In past classrooms, I'm, I would presume that a lot of uh, students, a lot of our children were asking how they can become members of the law enforcement community. Are they still asking that question? They do. Um, you know, they mentioned that, you know, they would like to, some of them want to be firefighters. Um, of course, we, we talk them out of that because, uh, you know, that's, yeah. Now, actually, we always tell people that um, uh, those that become firefighters couldn't pass the police test is uh, what we tell them. But, um, you know, it's, it's anything from they want to be firefighters to doctors to the military. It's amazing how many of our young students want to be in the military to uh, veterinarians to um, uh, software engineers to uh, uh professional gamers bloggers all of those things so there's a wide wide um, variety of things uh, but we we certainly still have that huge volume of people that want to want to be uh what we get to be um and uh, that's being law enforcement officers so regardless of what they uh what they want to be you know whether it's firefighter or military or whatever i always tell them look you know there's a good chance that you're going to change your mind a thousand times in between now and and what you actually become uh but whatever it is find a job that you love and then you never have a job you you have fun that is so true and i have to share if i haven't shared it already during all of my Mm -hmm. junior and high school days i wanted to be a game warden yeah and uh it was something that i uh, just uh, drifted away from and fell into something that i love doing but uh you're right Uh, today's kids have so many different choices so it's good to see and good to hear that they are still looking to those professional categories yeah so you know you brought up what you wanted to be um my sophomore junior and senior years of high school i was actually an apprentice embalmer at the funeral home uh, up in uh, the little town i was born and raised in green coast springs florida and uh, I was going to be a mortician, and uh, I was actually enrolled at Gupton Jones College of Mortuary Science. Went out and rode with a buddy of mine that was a cop, and that night we got in a car chase, and oh, it was just awesome. And I was hooked, and here I sit 42 years later. Well, as you probably know, the Yates family has a long history of funeral homes uh, uh, down uh, south of where we are here now, and that was something that uh, that I, I know it takes a lot of fortitude to do, but it was never anything that I drifted towards, and uh, so I have to admire you for that. That's a tough job. You know, it's a uh, God has a way of preparing us yes. for what we're really yeah. supposed to do, and uh, I learned so much working. There's so much about compassion, uh, so much about uh, 
handling a lot of the stressors with sense of humor um, and things that have really served me well in, in my career and certainly served me well now. Um, so, you know, it, it's, uh, it was a, a great time, a great lesson and uh, something that I look back on very fondly in my, my life. You know, you have, through our conversations, helped prepare our seniors, our communities. Uh, We know about what's going on in uh, our schools, our resource officers, and and the list goes on and on and on. I'm very fortunate to be able to sit down with you and take some of your time to, to share that. I want to turn the tables because it's very important that as our community learns more about you and the Brevard County Sheriff's Office, how can they support both the sheriff's office and if there's a way they can support you personally uh how do they do that well you know this is brevard county and uh they already do that um and i say that sam because um i think we are blessed more than any other law enforcement agency in this country to have a community as and i always say it the same exact way we have a community that loves us trusts us and protects us just as much as we love trust and protect them and in today's time in today's world serving as a law enforcement officer in a community that embraces that concept is is the greatest gift you could ever have so we you know our deputies tell us that um they can they can barely pay for their meals anymore in a restaurant because citizens are lined up three and four deep to to pay for that um they you know are pumping their gas and somebody says you know i got your back um, people stop and thank them. They make cookies and everything else, and they deliver donuts to our precincts. Uh, you know, all of all of those things. That's the world we live in, and that's the greatest thing we could ever have. Um, the second thing that that fortunately we don't have to talk about a lot, but the second thing that makes that so unique for us is our citizens listen to us. Um, you know, the, a, a few uh, a few times ago um, uh, in hurricanes. Uh, we had a hurricane that was, you know, taking aim at us. And the county commissioners at the direction of the um, then EOC director decided to um, uh, do a county ordinance for a um, uh, curfew. And so I got wind of it and I called up, you know, each of the commissioners individually and I said, why are you doing this? And they said, well, you know, to keep people from going out and, and vandalizing and stealing and everything. And I said, a curfew doesn't keep bad people at home. That bad people don't obey the laws in the first place. They're certainly not going to obey an ordinance. And so the only thing you did was just tell the citizens that we don't trust them. And I said, we, we do trust them, and our citizens listen to us, and you need to rescind the, the curfew. And so I met with some resistance, and I finally said, you can pass any curfew you want, but we're not putting anybody in our jail for that. And so I would just go ahead and rescind it before you look foolish. So they did. They rescinded it. Um, every county around us had a curfew, but not us. We never had a single problem because our citizens listened to us. And those that don't listen to us aren't going to listen to a, a county ordinance or a law. They're going to end up in jail um, is, is what it is. So our citizens are a blessing to us. They really are. And we, we have great support. We really do. And I have to tell you, I hear that in the community here over and over and over again. So I want to add my two cents worth that uh, whatever I can do, I will continue to do in this community and wherever I am to speak about uh, what you are doing. And ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to have to confess something here, and it's probably going to get me into trouble. But uh, my wife uh, has, has been uh, battling some issues, and uh, last week she was hospitalized, and this week she is out of the hospital doing quite well. 
When she found out that I was going to be here today, she said, you will not leave the house this morning without cookies. And uh, it's one of those uh, good things, bad things. The good thing is that uh, I don't eat the cookies, and the bad thing is I'm on a diet, so the diet is giving the cookies away. So I have brought uh, cookies for you and, and your staff today. Yeah, and just to make matters worse, he's had them sitting in front of me the whole time. So, uh, um, you know, I... I um, I, I've been watching them, and they look delicious, and certainly thank you, thank your wife for bringing them to us. Um, I always tell everybody, that they're like, uh, oh, maybe you shouldn't eat sweets. And I'm like, look, people love a fat sheriff, you know. So <laughs> so uh, if I lost weight, it may not be the well. So, you know, so, but we appreciate it. And thanks for all you do for us. And to, to your, your credit, um, you know, the, the solution to any problem we have in this world is education and awareness. Absolutely. So what, what yep. you do for us in this role is providing a great resource to our citizens, and we appreciate it. That begs the question. You'll be back for another episode? Every time, baby. Absolutely pleasant to hear that. So in the meantime, until that next episode, I'm Sam Yates, your gray-haired host of the Great American Senior Show. That's the way our program ends. <laughs>